Finally, Loudoun County parents and students speaking up for their rights, especially when it comes to safety, get some justice after all. We're excited to have Attorney General Jason Miares tell us all about it, as well as explain other ways he is defending freedoms, families, and safety on the streets. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our special guest, Attorney General Jason Miares. Well, welcome, Attorney General Miares. We are so excited to have you on the show today for our two-part series. As we said in the introduction, we're covering not only what's going on in Loudoun County, which is very important, but also what you're doing to defend our freedoms, families, and safety on the streets. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be with you. Well, before we get into the topics, I just would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, especially your mom's story and how that has played into your life. Well, uh, as you know, I, I grew up in Virginia Beach. It's where I represented in the General Assembly uh, for six years before I ran for Attorney General. But I, I like to say that my story in some ways began in Havana, Cuba, when a scared 19-year-old girl got an airplane, literally penniless and homeless, and not knowing where her next meal was going to come from. And that was my mother, Miriam Yarez. And so when you are raised in a household that uh, gives you such appreciation, I tell my daughters all the time, gratitude's the most underrated of all human traits. Uh, ingratitude's one of the ugliest, but gratitude's one of the most underrated. And I was raised to have such gratitude that I lived in this country with the freedoms uh, that it provides. And so uh, I was constantly reminded that the way we live our lives in this country with our freedoms, our ability to worship God according to the dictates of our conscience, to speak out against the government, to have a choice in our democracy and our elections, that that is a rarity, that that is unique. I call it the American miracle. And that's uh, a big reason that animated me to get into public services to protecting that American miracle. Well, I am so thankful that we have you filling this office. It's definitely been a difference from the previous administration, and we've already seen the fruit of that. We're going to talk about some of that today. But I did just want to mention that you recently reached your one-year mark serving as the Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I just wanted to hear what it means to you personally as far as uh, breaking down barriers, you know, being getting a conservative in that office after so many years, and then also being the first Hispanic American to ever be elected in that role in our state history. Yeah, and, and the first child of an immigrant ever elected as attorney general. And, and I would tell different, I call them new Virginians, uh, no matter where you came from, you have such appreciation of what this country is. And I would say, you know, if your, if your family came to this country looking for hope and opportunity, there's a lot of, there's a good chance your chance, your family is a lot like my family. And it's the honor of my life to be your attorney general. And so uh, that gives me such great appreciation. I remember my mother fled Cuba in the fall of 1965. And almost 50 years to the day that she left the country with no consent of the governed, she was able to walk into a voting booth in the fall of 2015 and ask for a ballot uh, with my name on it to represent her mm -hmm. in the oldest democracy in the Western Hemisphere, the, the Virginia House of Delegates. Uh, that's an amazing testimony to who we are as a people that uh, I love to say, not only do I practice a faith that believes in second chances, but that America is a nation of second chances. And for all of our problems, we've given more hope and more second chances than any country that's ever existed in the history of the world. And we should be celebrating that fact. We should be teaching our kids that fact, uh, that this is indeed that American miracle. And so... Um, it, it was it was an honor to serve. It's an honor to be elected. 
um, because I sometimes it takes being the the child of somebody who fled their country with nothing to realize what a unique, precious thing we have here in America. Absolutely. And that's why we know we have a new sheriff in town, one that actually respects American ideals and is putting that into the practice. And of course, we see this most dramatically with what's happening in Loudoun County. And real quick, parents, I just need to mention, we are going to get into some sensitive topics with this whole Loudoun County thing. So if you have little ones around, you might want to distract them. But with that said, first, I just want to note that our own legal group, the Founding Freedoms Law Center, won this lawsuit against the Loudoun County School Board after we argued that when they basically kicked all the parents out of the room during that infamous June 22nd school board meeting, they actually violated the open meeting law, and the judge agreed with us on that, but that's not the worst of it. Tell us about the stunning findings coming out of this grand jury report and your role in making that happen in the first place. Yeah, uh, this really started within uh, an hour or two after we got sworn in. Uh, we walked into Mr. Jefferson's Capitol in Richmond, and the governor signed a series of executive orders, one of which empowered the Office of the Attorney General to investigate to find out what exactly happened allowed it. We know from the public reports at the time that a sexual assault had taken place, that the uh, perpetrator, who's now convicted, uh, was transferred into another, a second high school where a second assault took place. And everywhere we went on the campaign trail, we had individuals asking what happened. And I, I give enormous amount of credit for the governor willing to asked those questions. Uh, he, he empowered us to do the investigation. Quickly early on, we realized that for us to really get to the truth, we needed to impanel a special grand jury. We did that in April. I'm incredibly proud of the fact that uh, unlike in Washington, there were no leaks. Uh, the grand jurors took their job seriously. So did our office. Our special investigative unit did an excellent job presenting a large amount of both witnesses and evidence to that grand jury, and obviously we see the grand jury report that came out. And, and from the very beginning, if you, if you read the grand jury report, there was a lot of red flags that came out of that. Even from the first incident, in the first sexual assault, a teacher walks in to the bathroom, it was taking place in a handicapped stall, and the teacher, even though she, this teacher acknowledged there was more than one individual in the stall, never told anyone about it. We know that that day the perpetrator was was on the campus for three hours and nobody knew where this individual was. But as we see from the grand jury report, they took a time to send out a public email to parents saying, don't worry about that little disturbance that was at the front desk. Well, that was the father mm -hmm. that was upset finding out that his daughter had been sexually assaulted. We know from the grand jury report that the grandmother of this individual told probation officers she had repeatedly begged with school administrators that she felt their lenient policies towards their son was, quote, enabling him mm. and uh, was undermining her ability to basically provide some sense of authority for this quite clearly troubled young adult. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, at a time when the school board administrators needed accountability and transparency for those victims, they failed to do so. And so uh, the, the grand jury report uh, was disturbing. I encourage every Virginian to read it because at the end of the day, what we want from this is that for every other other school board and district to understand your job is to be the voice of the people. Your job is to bring a certain sense of accountability and oversight over these administrators. And school safety should be our number, number one concern. 
Um, and so the grand jury report really, I think, exposed um, a lot that was just disturbing about the entire incident. And um, the special grand jury remains remains open and active. Well, also, one thing that stood out to me was the findings that the students had used school-issued computers um, to arrange some of the meetings in the bathroom that eventually led to this. I mean, what, that alone that the school isn't obviously paying attention to the things that it's giving students to use to monitor for their safety. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's something that I, it's not just in Loudoun. I, I talked to a a parent in Fairfax who said their their daughter just graduated and in all four years their daughter never once felt comfortable going to the bathroom by herself not one time and so uh, if there's anything that we saw from last year's election is parents matter parents matter and the idea that you know when when Terry McAuliffe said parents shouldn't have a say in what their children are both learning in school uh, there is a revolt on that, rightly so. And I think it is critically important as we go through both reviewing what Loudoun, but the totality of our education system is empowering parents is one of the single most important things I think we could do. Because at the end of the day, every time I hear somebody on the, say, far left saying, you know, an administrator or uh, a teacher knows what's best for my child, I always want to say, okay, what's her name? What's her birthday? Mm -hmm. What's her favorite food? What's her dream? What does she want to be when she grows up? Because parents know that. They know fundamentally what's best for their children. And so empowering parents, I think, is one of the most important things that we do. It's one of the most important things that Family Foundation advocates for is, um, you know, that great sign of parents' rights don't end at the parking lot. That is truth. And so uh, it's critical that parents make their voices be heard at at school board meetings and 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 hold their elected officials accountable. I think that's a critical component of a healthy democracy. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, to that point, you know, another really disturbing revelation from this report is how things were being hidden from parents and apparently even lies being told. I'm sure a lot of us remember all the television coverage from that June 22nd meeting and how we saw the poor dad getting arrested and the fact that a transgender issue policy was on the agenda, but it didn't feel like the audience could really freely discuss it. And some of you might remember that key moment when the superintendent was asked during that same meeting if he knew about assaults occurring in the school restrooms. Let's just listen into that exchange really quick. Um, and I'm not sure who can answer this. Um, do we have assaults in our bathrooms or our locker rooms regularly? I would hope not, but I would like clarification. To my knowledge, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restrooms. So you heard right there the superintendent clearly responding that to his knowledge, he didn't have any record of assaults occurring in the, in the restrooms. But the grand jury report says that others testified after that, that the, the superintendent's statement in that meeting was, quote, a bald-faced lie, unquote. So it's really frightening to think about how we were all sitting there, because I was actually in attendance at that meeting supporting the parents, 
and hearing them give that misinformation, and if it wasn't for a team like yours, they, there might not be any accountability for parents at all right now. Well, I mean, I think there was a lot that was uh, frustrating uh, that we saw the grand jury report showed that even though the public statements from the Loudoun County School Board is that they were be going to be cooperative with our investigation, we know because I wasn't able to comment at the time, it was under seal, but the grand jury report that is a public document showed they filed several motions to try to squash the grand jury and stop our investigation. And so what I would just tell every parent is it is so important to be diligent. It is so important to be engaged. Um, even if you feel like you're hitting a brick wall, um, stay, for because ultimately it's about your children and their safety, uh, stay fully engaged of what is happening. I think that's so critically important. I am somewhat limited in what I can say about the grand jury because mm -hmm. of the nature of, of uh, the, the fact that this is still an ongoing matter. Mm -hmm. um, but I could say that as far as what the grand jury is in the grand jury report, I think every Virginian resident, even if you live hours away from Loudoun, read the grand jury report. It should both, not only is it eye-opening, but it should really give you the empowerment to really ask hard questions of your elected officials and of school administrators to make sure that, uh, I like to say, for you to get to the right answers, you have to be willing to ask the right questions. Be, be fearless in how you answer your questions um, to get to the truth of what's happening in your child's school. Absolutely. That's well said. And this shows why it's important to have someone like yourself who is going to back parental rights in that office, in that role. Um, well, as interesting as the Loudoun County issue is, I do want to touch on some other ways that you've been out there speaking up for families. And I know one thing that's really scary for parents right now are some of the uh, most harmful drugs that are on the street. Even in neighborhoods that you may assume, neighborhoods and schools that you might assume, assume are safe from this, um, we are seeing deaths from drugs being passed around. Can you give us a glimpse of what you're doing to help counteract that or, or equip parents? What I tell every parent listening to this show is if you have not had that conversation with your child, please do, I beg of you. I do not use the word crisis very often. In fact, I think politicians use it for everything and it, it actually makes the word cheapen. It is a grave crisis. We have lost 107,000 Americans in the last 12 months to fentanyl opioid overdoses. To put things in perspective, that is two Vietnam Wars in 12 months. We lost 50,000 Vietnam over the course of 15 years. It is four Virginians are dying a day. Nationally, 200 Americans are dying every day. It is the equivalent of a fully loaded 727 crashing and killing everyone on board every day. Three fentanyl overdoses in Prince William County just this past weekend. One fatality. Two 15- and 14-year-olds in Prince William early this year. And here's what's so heinous about this. Fentanyl is 50 times more powerful than heroin. Enough fentanyl in this fingernail will kill every single person in this entire building that I'm sitting in with you right now. Um, it is being smuggled over our southern border. It is enough fentanyl is sent over the southern border every year to kill every American twice over. It is chemical warfare. It is insidious. It is now hitting almost every local community. And so why I want parents and begging parents to talk to their children 
is your child does not think they're about to put fentanyl in their body. They're at a party. This is what happened in Prince William County earlier this year. A 15 and a 14-year-old died because somebody said, oh, this is not bad. This is a Percocet. Don't worry about it. It's a Percocet. Uh, another 14-year-old child died in Warren County because they took what they thought was a Xanax. I just had a briefing from a DEA agent who showed me photographs. They looked like Flintstone vitamins, mm -hmm. fentanyl. And wow. so uh, it is everywhere. And so what you need to talk to your child about is, unless it's from mom and dad or your pharmacist, do not put it in your body. Even if there's so much as, oh, this is just a vitamin pill, do not, under any circumstance, put it in your body. And that's why we put one pill can kill. Uh, it is uh, so many people have empty chairs this holiday season because of a loved one that got taken too soon. Nobody listening has not heard of or heard or been impacted either directly or had a, uh, maybe a friend or a coworker that has lost a loved one. It is happening everywhere in every suburban, rural, urban, doesn't matter the area. Even so much as Tanger Island, which is in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, 400 people can only get there by boat. I asked them, what's the number one issue facing your community? They said fentanyl. They lost four overdose deaths in 12 months on a tiny little island. It is devastating. So one pill can kill was our public service announcement that we just want the best way to fight bad information is to give people good information. And we're so desperate to get that good information to young people. Chase your dreams. You live in an amazing country. There are people that would crawl over broken glass. They would tie inner tubes together to be here in America. You're not looking over your shoulder in fear because you've worshipped God in a way that maybe people disagree with. You want to chase your dream? Go chase your dream. You have, you have one life lottery by being here. You woke up this morning living in the most amazing country in the history of the world with opportunities people just as talented as you would kill for, but they're denied that because of where they were born. Don't deny that ability of chasing your dream just because of taking one pill that can rob you and devastate your family. And so if you're struggling with addiction, what we also tell people is we have this misnomer to asking for help as a sign of weakness. It's not. It is one of the bravest, most powerful things you can do. Asking for help is one of the single greatest, bravest things you could do. You're a hero if you ask for help. And you could go to our website. You could go to the Opioid Abatement Authority. You could Google. We could get you help. We have gotten record. We're getting close to a billion dollars worth of money coming back to Virginia on, on our consumer protection lawsuits against some of these pharmaceutical companies. It's going to the Opioid Abatement Authority to get you treatment. But our one pill can kill is just begging and getting as much information as possible, partnering with some of our friends in the media to get this message out to children. We want you to chase your dream. Don't have your dreams denied you because of this tiny little pill you take at a party that you think will kill you, and it will. And I'm passionate about it because, candidly, I'm tired of the text messages. I'm tired of the phone calls from there is nothing, nothing worse than the cry of a grieving mother. It pierces your heart. I hate it. And I'm just trying to get as much young people to know as quickly as possible uh, about uh, how to stop going down this path. And you also speak to these issues, both the school and what, what's happening on the streets from the heart of a father, because you have three daughters, is yeah. that right? Yeah, Yeah, three daughters, at, at two teenage girls, one soon-to-be teenage girl, and um, we've had those discussions with them. But it's terrifying. That's the, the scariest thing as a parent is uh, knowing what else is out there, knowing what, what people can be offering them when they're at a party or and and often here's what happens and when you're when your parents anybody's listening how do i talk to my kids uh, oftentimes what we find is 
a kid's school friend who doesn't realize what they have say, oh, no, 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 you could trust me. And this is maybe somebody they've been in grade school with that they know very, very well. And so, well, if I can't trust Johnny or, or I can't trust Jennifer and I know her and I grew up with her, uh, you just got to stress they don't know themselves. They don't know themselves. Yeah, and point. so have that conversation, please. It could save a life. Well, it's so encouraging to hear Attorney General Miares offering that timely, heartfelt message of hope to people, especially since we know during the holiday season, people can struggle more emotionally. And here at the Family Foundation, as we spend time with our families during this Christmas season, we want to leave you with this scriptural encouragement of how Jesus ultimately gives us eternal hope from Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. May his peace fill your hearts this season. And don't forget to tune in next week to hear the rest of the conversation with our Attorney General. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.